All right, you'll have to give me a minute here. I've got a paragraph to look up. All right, scripture for today comes from Numbers chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 32 to 34. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting, some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. These are the Israelites, counted according to their families. All the men in the camps, by their divisions, number 603,550. The Levites, however, were not counted along with the other Israelites, as the Lord commanded Moses. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. That is the way they encamped under their standards, and that is the way they set out, each of them with their clan and family. Amen. We skipped a lot of verses on purpose because uh, the beginning and the end pretty much summed it all up. I couldn't wait to, today to hear what happened yesterday when Bruce and Pam went down to the, um, the conference to be prayed for. And, and uh, when they mentioned Pastor Don, is that his name? And Price's Creek Church. They, I guess you went, and they, they showed me some pictures of the church closing, and I just couldn't imagine how that minister felt. And honestly, I mean, that could happen to me. We don't know. We don't know, we don't understand, and we don't see the complete will of God. We just don't. But I, his heart has to be hurting so bad. To give everything you've got. And then the congregation. 189 years. That's a lot of people being saved. A lot of people coming through the church. And a lot of people believe in God for mighty things in their lives and for their families. Just gone. And. I hate to say it, but them speaking to me yesterday kind of fits in with the sermon where I'm heading at this morning. And so I would like for us, if we could, to pray for his family and then pray that I keep it together and say what I believe God wants us to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I do pray for the Pastor Don and his family and Only you can heal a broken heart. Only you can restore shattered dreams. I pray you touch him and his family today. And the people that have given so much to the life of that church. Seeing the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Maybe seeing people be saved and baptized and raising their kids in the church after 189 years and to say it's over. Touch those people. Minister to them. Let these words be your words. And hopefully these words are your guidance to my heart to speak to our congregation. That you be glorified and you be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to need a napkin for sure. (laughs) So, Preble County has five high schools. Got a picture of them up there. I'm going to go ahead and name them. National Trail, Tri-County North, Twin Valley South, 
eating eagles, and the Prabhupada arrows. Before consolidation, Preble County was huge, and there was 15 high schools in Preble County at one time. I'm only going to deal with the three that formed Preble Shawnee. The Gratis Trojans, the West Elkton Yellow Jackets, and the Camden Cubs. When they were their own high schools, they had a banner. And for the sake of illustration, we'll just call the banner their jacket. I'm sure in the 40s and 50s, having their varsity jacket was the bomb. Everybody wanted that varsity jacket. We'll just say that was the banner for each school. And they wore their banner with pride. They wore their school jacket with pride. But maybe on their banner they had a, a G. Gratis, maybe a W-E or you know the story. And maybe they did something good in a sports or something and they had a little uh, sticker put on their jacket. We'll call that the emblem. They had an emblem and they had a standard. And each school had that. And each person represented a family and maybe the award he got was because of his family tradition. But when Preble Shawnee consolidated, Gratis, West Elkton, and Camden came together to form the Preble Shawnee Arrows. They gave up their emblem and their banner to become an arrow. And because I'm an arrow and we're somewhat known for high school basketball boys, I'm going to frame it in that way. So these Preble Shawnee Arrows now, they form one school, and the coach is teaching them throughout the week about the game of basketball, and they're practicing, and they're working hard, ready to get things done. They prepare for one reason and one reason alone, Friday night. On Friday night before the game, they gather downstairs at the old Camden High School in the little room that they're in, right, the locker room. They're all sitting down, and the coaches is writing on the board, this is what we need to do to win, and he's frantic. Everything I've taught you, I'm going to finally write down and show you. This is what we need to do. Everybody says, hoorah, let's go take it. The boys stand up, and as they get ready to go up the steps, of course, they're lined up according to height. They went from the tallest to the shortest, so that when you come out on the floor, the enemy would say, my goodness, them boys are big. You did it for intimidation. The old arrows had really nice warm-up outfits. They had stripes on their pants, so when you saw the stripes, you said, them guys looked like they got it together. They had a red and white basketball. When that basketball shot, you could just see the colors turn. And it just was a way to intimidate and let everybody know the arrows was coming up the steps. They come up the steps, and they wait in the hallway. They're standing there, and their cheerleaders come over on two sides with their pom-poms. They're ready to say a cheer. The cheerleaders get ready to say a cheer. The crowd stands up. They make their cheer. And as soon as the boys start rolling out, the band starts to play when the arrows come onto the floor. The band starts playing real loud, and the boys run all around the gym. They're letting everybody know this is our court, this is our territory, and you're not going to take it. We will not give up our court, and we will not give up our land. You're going to know that we're here. And their banner is the old Preble Shawnee Arrow, the boy dressed up as an Indian, running with the flag, saying, We are PSA. 
Not only do we want you to know that, but after we whoop you here, we're going to go to your gym and whoop you in a few more weeks, a week later. Nobody's going to take our land. Well, now, Preble Shawnee's got some pretty big names in basketball from Gratis, West Elkton, and Camden. I won't say their names, but you guys are from that area. You hear their names, you know who we're talking about. The boys carried the banner of one school. Their graduate school submitted to the school of Preble Shawnee, but their emblem was the same. Whatever they was known for, that's what they got their letter for. And you know how it is. You can pick the family out. You always ask in sports, you always ask the person, what's your last name? Right? You ask the last name and you sum them right up. You're going to be very good at basketball or you're going to get in a fight during the game and go to jail and I got to go busy. Those are your choices. And so you take the one that's really good at the sport and you puff him up and you make him all that and then maybe he don't live up to the name. Whatever. The point was, they gave up their banner and their emblem for the sake of Preble Shawnee basketball. Numbers chapter 2, what I just read, is all about the banner and the emblem of the families. It says, every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. I have an overhead up here that Chris got for me. That the children of Israel was to bring their emblems and their standard and pitched around the camp. Judah was the leader of three tribes. He was in the east. Ephraim was the leader of three tribes in the west. Dan was the leader of three tribes in the north. And Reuben was the leader of three tribes in the south. 600,000 men, women, and children camped around the tabernacle to protect it. But you'll notice in a verse there was a space given between where they camped and the temple. The children of Levi were commanded to stay in between the camp and the children of Israel. Levi served as a buffer between a holy God and a sinful people. So they stood in the middle of the camp. They were responsible for the tabernacle. When it got ready to move, they broke it down, and they would go out and they would sing when they went to their next battle. They led the people in that area. The children of Levi had no inheritance from God. In other words, they didn't have a land right. They lived off the love of God through the goodness of his people. When the person went in to make a sacrifice, whatever sacrifice they made, the Levites would take some of that sacrifice for them and their family. They had no land inheritance. So they were to protect the people, guard the people, and sing on the people's behalf. In our story, Israel had been on out of the Exodus now for a year. And it was time to get them organized and have administration. And the first 10 chapters, specifically chapter 10 of Numbers, is all about organization and administration. Three things they were to do. One, they were to learn how to worship God according to his will. That would be in the tabernacle or temple. I spoke about this a long while ago with the labors and the different things that were part of that. But they were to learn how to worship God according to his will in the tabernacle. Secondly, they were to travel in an orderly fashion when they were ready to march. Third, they had to be constantly ready for war when they would go out to take their land. Joshua 23, 5. 
The Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised unto you. The children of Israel were to extend the glory of God all around the world. We've seen that when they went into captivity. The devil thought he was doing good, putting them in bondage. But in bondage, they spread the goodness of God, spoke the word of God, and they grew. We saw this last week on the chart in the Apostle Paul, how the gospel was preached all over the world. Men, women, boys and girls accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They were to extend and grow and take land and territory. The only time God's people ever lost land in the Old Testament is when they stopped believing, loving, and following His will. This morning I want to apply this idea of a family emblem and a banner to our church. And let's see if I can make it work. Each one of us here at the Oak Street Brethren represent a family, right? And we have a tradition that makes us who we are. People know us by our reputation. Our reputation is our emblem. So all of us with our little reputations of what we're known for, what we've done, or who people think we are, we bring that to the congregation. And all of us individually with our emblem have to make this church work. We have to make it function and grow and do the things we need to do. So we bring our emblem here to the tradition of our church to help it grow. And if you don't think that's true, just let me give you an example. One would be our board meeting and the personalities. Who sits where? What kind of personality do they have? They bring either strength, confusion, or something. I'm not just saying the board. I'm just saying they bring that. People in the congregation bring their personality, bring their emblem to, to the church. They bring who they are to the church so that people on the outside say, well, I do want to go to your church, or I definitely don't want to go to your church because of your emblem. And we did it when we had the last meeting with the district, right? We all put up our family emblems at that meeting. I guarantee we brought out our personality and what we wanted to say. We came together with our emblems and said, that's enough. We are done. Here's where we stand as a congregation, and we're ready to start this fight now. We will defend our land, and we will defend our territory. When the meeting time come, when they had a break-off session, I did ask a question. I was looking for a certain individual, and I said, where is this individual? Uh, they, they said, the individual's in the meeting room with the district. I went just like that. Because I needed somebody who would tell them just like it was and like it is, who would represent our church. I might be a little more political or whatever, however you want to call it. But the person in there can handle it all by themselves. Take care of business and bring your emblem to this meeting. Me and my emblem, this is what you said on paper. You ain't doing what you said on paper. Follow your paper. But all of us have an emblem or something we're known for. We brought to that and we said, here we will fight, here we will stand, and here we will not be moved. That was our emblem. But we as a congregation, we fly a banner over our heads that represent us as a church. 
Our banner is the teaching of Alexander Mack. This is the banner that we fly on. It's the way the church was founded. It's the men and women who built the church. They believed and trusted what he said was part of the gospel message. That is our banner. So we fight the Brethren Branner based on Alexander Mack and his followers. So we've established that in our families. We have an emblem. We all have personalities that makes this church work, makes this church grow, and makes us, this church function. And we all need each other to bounce off one another to help us grow and go and do what God wants. But then the congregation and our brethren banner, we go to guess where? Wakoka. The Wakoka meeting is all the churches in West Alexandria. Well, when you go to a Wakoka meeting in West Alexandria, you have other churches who have family emblems, but they also carry a banner. They carry a Baptist banner. They carry a Lutheran banner. They carry a, an independent banner. But they carry some kind of banner, and they say, we're here to represent our church. And all of us together, as a body of believers, we say, this is our territory, and this is our land, and we're not giving up another inch of ground. We will fly our banners the best we can together to work for the kingdom of God. So we make a stand, and we fight the good fight of faith. Every believer, every congregation... Every denomination, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have a different family emblem and we have a banner that represents us. But all of our banners together fall under one banner and it's a bloodstained banner. That bloodstained banner flows from Mount Calvary and it reaches into the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl and touches them and saves their soul and it changes their lives and it heals broken families, it saves family. The banner is the one who died and rose again, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Master, Jesus Christ, our Lord and all Savior. We all fall under his banner. You here in your emblem, you have a brethren banner. We go to Wakoka, we have a banner, but all of us fall under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the one who died. He's the one who rose again. He's the one who makes it right. The book of Revelation says that he's the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. This is the way they pictured him. Behold the lamb of God. He's the lamb of God. He infiltrates everything in our lives. And Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel and know that I'm with you. And when they asked him, or he asked him, who do people say that I am? And they gave him all these letters and words and stuff. He says, but you, who do you say that I am? You are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on this statement of faith, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If the Lord Jesus Christ said that, that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, then I want to ask a question, Oak Street brethren, why are we giving up ground? Why are we conceding and giving up what God has given us? When will we pick up our emblem? When will we pick up our banner? When will we fight the good fight against faith and say no more? We are done with that. Here we make our stand and you're not going to change it.
We're losing our children. We're losing them left and right. You see it in the great TV and politics and all that mess. We're losing it left and right. They don't want to know God. They don't want to know Jesus. They're being taught all kinds of things that Jesus isn't God. He isn't the Messiah. There is a better way of life. And we're giving the ground up and say, go ahead and take it. You work so hard when you bring your kids and your grandkids. The teachers work so hard to teach them the things of God. We've got to say, we're done giving up that ground. We're losing our kids to society. My own family, a preacher's kid, seen me and Amy go through a lot. Why would I want to serve a God like that? Can I just worship him from here, Dad? I was as real as I could be with him. But they only saw one aspect of God. They didn't see the whole picture. Maybe that was my fault, but I've pretty much lost my own kids. A preacher. Losing your kids. When will I stop giving up the ground? The church of the brethren continues to decline. And if you don't believe me, this Brethren Revival Fellowship is a phenomenal little pamphlet. It's a group of brethren, men and women who want revival within the denomination. They want the things of God. They go to conference every year, pages 9, 10, and 11. You will see how many churches have folded, how many members they lost, and where the district is heading. So that you know I'm telling you the truth. You just read it in there for yourself where the district is going. So the brethren denomination is continuing to lose churches. They lost the one on 35. Now they just lost this one. We are giving up ground. Those churches were men and women of God who served and followed God. And they said it's okay just shut her down. Don't do anything about it. When will we raise our emblem? When will we raise our banner and say, that is enough. We will not give up any more ground. We are done with that. We will lift up the banner of Jesus Christ and say, we are willing to fight. Now, there's other churches that are almost going to have to give up their building and give up their territory. They're probably going through it right now. Some of them are very small congregations. They've lost their pastor. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. Been there, done that, and am doing that. I say let's join them in the fight. They have families in those communities that they've ministered to. They have a building that people have built and put together for the glory of God who've given up their lives for the kingdom. And we're just going to say, go ahead, shut her down. When will we get behind them? And that might scare you just a little bit like, oh my gosh, what is this old dude going to ask us to do to help these churches? I say we treat them the same way that Castine, Brother Dwayne and his pastor, when they talked to me and my friend Walt Locker at the Eaton Church of Brethren talked to me, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. So I just started making blind phone calls. But they graciously came in and spoke to us, said, we are here for you. How can we help? They spoke and gave us direction and gave us guidance. But they're a big church. They're independent. They may not have the same needs of a small congregation. 
right? We're a small congregation. We don't have all the resources, maybe, that they have. So I would ask, let's be proactive in those churches that are thinking about shutting down and say to them, hey, we are here for you. We can come in and talk, maybe give you some advice to help you out and to say, well, we're with you. We're going to walk with you. Why should you give up your family and you lose your family in the faith? Because your brothers and sisters won't help them out. I'm saying being proactive. I can tell you the truth. I don't have it together. I have no idea what I'm doing, no idea where we're going, no idea what's happening. I do know that God loves me, that Jesus Christ saved my soul, and that we are together. We haven't shut down yet. I do know that. I know he saves souls, he saves families, he restores relationships, and he builds his kingdom. Other than that, I don't know nothing. So who am I to ask a couple guys to go with me to one of these struggling churches and say, give us advice. I'm a big fat nobody. But I know the one who hung the banner, the one who died. I know the one who rose again. I know what he's done in my life. I know what he can do in your life. And I know what he can do with your church if you will just turn it over to him. Reach out to them. We're here for you. We will pray for you. We will give you guidance. We'll tell you what's working for us, what ain't working for us, and how we're moving. But there are brothers and sisters in the Brethren Movement who are closing down left and right, and they shouldn't have to close down. We are giving up territory, and I don't want to give up that kind of territory. How will we do it? You're confused, Brian. You still ain't pushed your church all the way through the end yet. I don't know. But I found a scripture, and maybe this scripture will help. We'll do it just like the Song of Solomon believed. And I know many of you don't like the Song of Solomon because it might be a little too fleshly for your ears. Meaning it's not spiritual. It's about a man and a woman's relationship. Maybe that scares you. But how about chapter 2, verse 4? The maiden is real discouraged because her lover don't like her. He wants nothing to do with her. He kind of puts her off to the side. And no matter what she does, he don't want to be there. But all of a sudden, something happened in his heart. And he looked down on his man. He says, you are beautiful. And you are right. And I'm going to lift you up. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to build you up. The maiden says, I am somebody. I mean somebody, something to somebody. Somebody loves me and cares about me. And this is what she says. He brought me to the banquet house and his banner over me was love. He brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Ain't that what Christ done for us? We felt like we were nothings and nobodies. And maybe you thought like the district didn't respect your church. Nothing was going on. You're just a small, tiny church. But God came in. He touched our lives. He changed us. And he said, I love you with an everlasting love. When the maiden felt that love, she says, man, I am somebody special. These churches that are struggling within the brethren movement, 
They need to know they're special to God. They need to know that Christ is with them, Christ is in them, and Christ wants to move through them. I don't understand church closings and all that kind of stuff, but I do know this. If his banner over us is love, if he's changed us, if he's touched us, if he saved our souls, why wouldn't we do the same thing for somebody else? Let's reach out to them the best we can and say, we are here for you. You are loved, you are valued, and you are cared for. And we bring our brethren banner to you, and we say we submit to the big banner, and that banner is nothing but love. And let God work out whatever he wants to work out. Let him do whatever he wants to do. Aren't we doing that now? As you and I grow together and understand one another, you're probably praying, Lord, help me identify with that guy. Help me get along with him. Help me to understand what he's saying. And I'm saying, Lord, help me to lead this people. I don't know what to do. I don't know where we're going. I don't know. I don't understand. And I'm deep in kimchi right now. Kimchi being some bad salad you used to eat in Korea. I'm, I'm deep in. I, don't, I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm begging. I'm pleading. And I'm trying to walk. And you help me walk and we work together. And even though I don't know and I'm in deep, I want to help those who are hurting just as bad. And it's all going to be that banner to let them know that they're loved and cared for. And if you're out there and you're exiting the Church of the Brethren, or if you're even staying in the Church of the Brethren, I really don't care. But your heart is for the Lord Jesus Christ and you're hurting and you're down and out and you think you're going to get closed down. Give us the opportunity to come alongside you and fly the only banner that matters, the bloodstained one for his glory and his honor. And then let him decide what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you. Oh, man, I thank you for salvation. I thank you that you lead us, you guide us, you direct us, you speak to our hearts, and you do it all in confirmation of the word of God. I thank you for the Oak Street brethren. I thank you for the foundation that was laid in this church building and the people that come here. I thank you for the pastors who's went before, who's fought the good fight of faith and said, not under my watch, but they stood in the gap for their congregation. And the congregation stood in the gap for their families to say, we do serve a living God and he will save your soul when he touches family and he moves families. And it's through the family the church is built up and the church moves on. I pray, Lord, even though I'm in deep, Help me to understand your will and your guidance. Help the congregation to understand your will and your guidance. As we go through this process of becoming independent, I don't want to be independent. I want other churches to know that we're here for them. We will work together as brothers and sisters. I will lay down my emblem and my own banner for the glory of God, for the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, be glorified in our lives. Be honored and lifted up. Use us this day for your glory, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.